Welcome back to Bible study to Galatians chapter 4. How many weeks have we been doing Galatians chapter 4? Maybe more than I can even, my, my small mind can remember. Welcome back, John. Thank you. And Derek. Thank you. Bless you. So um, we're going to read from chapter 4, verse 29 through to chapter 5. Verse 28. Yep, knew I'd get that wrong. <laughs> verse 28 through to uh, chapter 5, verse 1. And then I'll pray after you, brethren. Right. Thanks, Terry. Verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Thank you. Very powerful. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for the freedom that we have in Christ. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how relevant it is to us uh, today um, in a completely different world, so to speak, uh, to the one that, that Paul was in when he wrote to the Galatians, and yet in many ways spiritually still the same. So um, teach us, Lord, uh, during this Bible study from your word. And may, may our words, our meditation, uh, be anointed by you to draw us all closer uh, in fellowship with one another and, and in our love uh, for you and our service. In your name, amen. 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 Uh, so, um, dare, I, dare I start with the digression? <laughs> to get that out of the way and then you can draw us back to our passage. I, I, I think we were talking... Uh, about how there are sort of echoes and parallels, you know, often there is with Paul's writings, but in chapter nine of Romans, mm. you know, he's, he's making a different point, but I think it's quite, it'd be quite handy yeah. just to read it so I can clear my head <laughs> of, those, of the thoughts. Do you want to read ju uh, just... Um, those couple of verses in Romans. Yes, Romans about 9, 7. Abraham's children. 7 and 8. Mm. Um, Nor are they all children because they're the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise accounted as seed. Mm. So. Um, let's deal with that and then deal with how it, how it relates uh, well, to us. Yeah, let's uh, just the verse 9, let's yes, just carry please. on. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. Yeah. I, I, it, this is so important, isn't it? As we were talking before, it, this, this, this whole believing Jewish race and believing Gentiles who are grafted in are based on a miraculous birth, mm. a promise. Um, a, 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 a man and a woman, Abraham and Sarah, who were both beyond childbearing age and who had no children. Mm. Uh, a, an impossible situation. And that the Lord says to Sarah, she'll have a son, and she laughs. And of course, we know that Isaac means laugh or laughing or laughter, doesn't it? Yeah. 
A, a totally it's impossible situation. And, and it's easy for us to say, yeah, we're in the line of Isaac. But we must remember that Isaac was a miracle. Yeah. Mm. There would have been no Isaac without the intervention of God, as there would have been no Jesus without the intervention of the Holy Spirit in, into Mary. Mm. And it, it, it's, of course, it's, not a, it's still, as it were, almost an immaculate conception, but it isn't. It's almost, you see, that God was involved in it. Uh, in, in a way that he's not generally involved in others. Well, it did just say that miracle. she so it was miraculous in that she was barren. Yes. But it wasn't the same no, immaculate same. conception. No, no, not the um, same immaculate conception. But it was a miraculous no, no. conception. It, totally miraculous, yes. Yeah. Which, totally you know, was sort of against miraculous. the odds, so to speak. Yes. Um, but yeah, I have to be held back from, you know, delving into Romans 9, 10 and 11. No, but, because this is all <laughs> part of that continuum, isn't it, Yeah, Derek? But does it have any connection to our passage in um, well, chapter does. 5? It's a similar one. And it's, um, I guess I would also read verse 6 to, just mm -hmm. to introduce it because yep. it says, they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Mm. And, and what he's saying here, and, and it's the problem of Jewish unbelief. Mm. And uh, it does relate here because in our passage in Galatians, there are these Jewish, you know, legalistic teachers mm. who... Uh, you know, are claiming, you know, they're the proper descendants of Abraham and, and mm. so on. And actually, Paul is saying, no, actually, they, they are uh, of Ishmael. Spiritually, they may be physically related yeah. uh, um, to Abraham, but th because of their unbelief, yeah. because of their legalism, yeah. they are actually of Ishmael spiritually. Mm. And, and so he's saying, you, there is all Israel, which is all the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they are not all spiritually That's right. Israel. They're That's Israel right. of what's known as the Israel of God. Mm. They, they actually, um, some of them are, are, are like, and he uses the analogy really, that some Abraham had Ishmael and Isaac. So not all the children of Israel are like Isaac. Mm. Some of them are like Ishmael. Yeah. And, and so there are unbelieving Jews or, mm. you know, who are bound into legalism and they are actually likened unto Ishmael. Mm. But the true, <laughs> the true Jew who, who is a Jew genetically but also spiritually yeah. like uh, um, an, an Isaac. And, that, and then through Christ, even if you're a Gentile, yeah. if you're born again, if you've received that if you're, you're a child of promise, if you believe the promise of the gospel, and you're born again by a supernatural birth, then you are spiritually like Isaac. Yeah. Uh, and so, so, yeah. so the point is, yeah, that's our Galatians passage. But the one in Romans, so you know, once you go back to verse 6, you think, oh, maybe we should go back to verse 1. Because um, Paul is sort of correcting this, because we very easily tend to just swing with, you know, a polarity that, oh, yeah, um, uh, because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, you know, the law of the spirit of life set us free from the law of sin and death. So he addresses in Romans 9, 10 and 11 that, well, what, what about, you know, those who, he says, theirs are the patriarchs. You know, he, he covers himself. He's not actually swinging into replacement theology because yeah, he says, theirs are the promises. He didn't say theirs were the promises and it's all over and done with now. Let's get on with the new covenant. He said theirs still are the promises. So you still have the physical, tangible promises to the physical, you know, a seed 
of Abraham, but ours are the promises in terms of the spiritual, you know, uh, being spiritual inheritors of the promise. But it doesn't negate the fact that he says in, I think, and he says, I have much anguish, you know, I'm, I'm not lying, my conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit, I have much anguish for those of my own race. So he's talking about the physical people of Israel, and he says, there's is um, uh, the, uh, the adoption. He's, it's all in the present tense. Mm. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. So it is, it, it, it's not so, it, it, we love it to be clear cut in systematic theology to say that fits into that block, this fits into yeah. this block. But actually, God is fulfilling his promises to Israel and yes. through So you have church. to understand it on the individual level. Yeah and on the national level. Correct. So individually, Jews, Gentiles, we, we stand before God on the same basis yeah. of, of faith in Christ. Yeah. And, and we are as much Isaac as, as a Jew. Yeah. Uh, and so being a Jew genetically does not guarantee your salvation by any means. Yeah. However, having said that, Paul is saying, He's really, in these chapters, coming against replacement theology, which is the yes. idea, because we're all in Christ, therefore God no longer has a purpose for Israel as mm. a nation. Mm. And Paul is saying, no, she's still the elect nation yeah. of God. And even though a great, even a majority do not believe, yet there's always a remnant and there who will believe. Be a and, and ultimately, Israel will, will be saved and come into the fullness of everything God's promised for them. So he's, 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 he's guarding against the, the wrong idea that God's finished with I'll Israel. I'll just tell you this, this I, I don't want to <coughs> get into the territory of, of being uh, divisive because there, there are people I really honour in the church. But I, many, many years ago, I heard the great Dick Lucas at um, St. Helen's Bishopsgate on his, I think it was Thursdays, um, doing the Bible studies on Romans. And when he got to 9, 10, 11, you know, he, he clearly, he, he did detail right up to it, and then he, he went through it really quickly. <laughs> so I thought, and I was only a little cheeky kid, so I went up to him and I said, do you think, you know, it has anything to do with, you know, the physical, you know, people of Israel, or do you think it's a red herring? I rather think it's a red herring. Mm. You know that one. Um, and I, I, I just can't get around the fact that Paul is addressing the physical race of the people of Israel. So it is relevant. And of course, he takes three chapters. And those who have a prejudice can, even within 9 and 10, pick up things um, to, to, to say, negate the promises to the people of Israel. But if you take it as a whole and then end it with the doxology at the end of Romans 11, you, you in all humility as a Gentile Christian, you have to say, yeah, over the depths of the riches of the mystery knowledge of God. That's right. His ways are unsearchable. And it is like a paradox, isn't it? That there, is, there are these two truths, and, and I'm not talking about dual covenant theology, that there's another way of salvation other than the Lord Jesus. But in terms of the physical people of Israel, which does have a relevance to the political entity of Israel, God's going to fulfill his word. Mm. Otherwise, what, what's the yes. point of, of all the promises to us? Right. That's how it fits in Romans, because he's, he's been saying nothing will separate us from the love of God. You know, God yeah. is going to fulfill his plan for us as, as believers, and we're going justified, glorified. And then there's the problem of Israel. Well, didn't 
that's why it comes in because it's so well didn't God make those promises to Israel I, 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 and, and yet maybe they're not going to be fulfilled mm. and he has to address that because if, if we stand or fall with Israel because if God fails to keep his promises to Abraham, Isaac yeah. and Jacob yeah. then God cannot be trusted and therefore we, yeah, we cannot trust God to do it for us that's too. It. That's it. So, you know, that's why he, he says, no, God, even though Israel has sinned, Israel has, to a large degree, nationally at least, not And it's a great Christ. burden to be chosen of God, isn't it? I mean, it's a great responsibility. And the judgments come with it as well. Yeah, double. You know, like, like, um, double blessing, it, double curse. Ezekiel 16, I mean, that, that you, you know, unfaithful Jerusalem, it's quite clearly um, highlighted there as is the unfaithful church. So we've got to, we've got to um, learn the lesson, let's say, of the failings of Israel because they are, you know, uh, church history. I, I, I think, up. I, I think that it, 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 it's, there's a bit of a danger in talking about great burdens and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that the, the, the problem that Israel had Historic Israel. I was just thinking of Fiddler on, was, the, on the roof. Yes, he said, oh, I, I know. Would you choose another? But it's a valid point you brought up, and and, and it made me think on the hoof about it. Yeah. Is that Israel, with the exception of kings and prophets, it, it didn't have the Holy Spirit, mm. and therefore it didn't matter to what degree they were committed to the law. <clears throat> they were incapable of keeping it and very easily led astray into mm. paganism or whatever yep. because they didn't have that check yeah um and so w what i'm really saying is the burden is the holy spirits yeah. the, and and we have the holy spirit to keep us in check mm. to keep us in, in line if we're willing to walk according to the word of god if we're willing to say lord we believe this so is much your more severe to blaspheme against the holy spirit yes You've got the Holy Spirit. Absolutely right. He's going to keep us on track. And yeah, it will, because flesh gets in the way. We know that. But the burden is really his. And it's just coming down to our willingness to submit, yield to him. Um, the Jews didn't have that. And also acknowledge his sovereignty. So there's something yeah. in this that, that, that is the grace of God. God's purpose in election must stand. That was in the context of, of Jacob and Esau. Um, that you know, Jacob I have loved. I mean, that's God's grace, isn't it? Jacob wasn't perfect. Um, and so I think it, there is a little correlation to our yes. chapter five. But G Jesus, chapter him, Jesus himself brings out the difference. In, in, I, I've got it in John 8. Okay. John 8, verse uh, 39 and 40. Uh, there's a discussion going on, and, and the Pharisees answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, but you now seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's the difference, eh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> In a actually, all, uh, all that passage does correlate to our reading totally. today. Totally correlating. I, I think it's worth reading a little bit more. Okay. Um, so verse 33 through to 36... You can try that. So. 30, well, 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. 
And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. And it's a, yeah, I know, absolutely. I, I think there, there's definitely a correlation to what we're reading. There's a consistency there, isn't there? Yes, he's saying that, you know, you, Abraham in, had two children mm. in the natural, Ishmael and Isaac. Yeah. But that didn't guarantee that they were spiritually yeah. of uh, the seed of Abraham. Mm. Because Isaac was the man of the flesh. And therefore, a, a Jew or a Gentile can, can be an Ishmael. Uh, and so, to have eternal life, you've got to be a child of the promise. You've got to be under grace. Uh, and that, so to be Isaac, that's, the, that's what matters individually. It's amazing how the Lord chose Israel as a kind of crucible for revealing so many truths, yeah. you know, at you know, different junctures, right the way through their history, mm. that, that help give a, a, a great color to the New Testament, mm. to the Gospel. Praise the Lord, thank you very much. As I, as I think I said many weeks ago, this is like my personal, you know, you're my personal tutors. <laughs> I can <laughs> ask these questions I've always wanted to ask. Uh, here we are then. Um, I, I wanted Dick Lucas to answer it actually. I was a bit frustrated that he sort of dodged, as it were, the bullet that I was firing at him, because it would, I would have, it would be very interesting for those who take these, these uh, contrary views to, to, to actually unpack it. Mm. It's like with evolution, I'm not saying he's an evolutionist, but with evolutionists, I, I so much enjoy getting into the, you know, the detail, mm. into the weeds, so to speak, you know, to, to, to really expose what, what is it? Where's the root of, of what you're saying? And um, can you maybe just consider this, you know, a viewpoint from it's the human scriptures to avoid the passages that don't fit with your yeah paradigm yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah great uh, okay so thanks for indulging me on that we're now uh, we started on verse twenty eight um, now you brothers like Isaac are children of promise and then it talks about um, yes having chapter. established Isaac and Ishmael. Mm. Um, and Isaac, in a sense, represents the spirit, Ishmael represents the flesh, or whether we are a child of the spirit, a child of promise, a child of grace, or a child of the flesh. Mm. And we are automatically a child of the flesh un unless, until God does that work of grace in us. Mm. Then he describes the relationship between the two, Isaac and Ishmael, and it goes back to the story. So this uh, verse 29 introduces a new idea, an application really, of having set up this analogy, um, he goes back to the history, which is actually in Genesis 21. And verse 29, of course, says, But as he who was born according to the flesh, that's Ishmael, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, that's Isaac, even so it is now. Okay? Mm. So probably we should go back to Genesis 21 mm. to see what he's talking about there. Mm. Okay, let's see. And, um, 21 is where uh, Isaac is born. Of course, Ishmael, remember, was born um, about 15 years earlier um, when, um, yes, he was born when, in the, at the end of the previous chapter. No. Um, is that, is it, uh, do you want to give a, few, a, a, a passage maybe John could read 
read that yes. you can give us a sort of start and end. I, I think verse. probably you'd, we'd want to read verse 8 to 10. Of 21. So, so yeah. in, in, in 21, we see now Isaac is born. Yeah. Right. Now Ishmael is about 15 years older. Yeah. 14, 15 years yeah. older. So, um, and now finally, Abraham repents. We saw that mm -hmm. Genesis 17, when he, Abraham's 99, and they receive the grace of God to, to have Isaac. And in chapter 21, Isaac is born. By the way, we've all seen in families where there's an older brother who was the blue-eyed boy, and then another one turns up who, become, who is the, becomes the blue-eyed boy, and, and it's the, almost a natural thing. But yeah. do you want to read that, John? Yes, I, but Tony, I'll start in verse 7. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. So the child, this is Isaac, grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. Hmm. Yeah. Mocking is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It's trying to sort of diminish um, what actually happened by a miracle. Is, is that a fair comment? Yeah, well, it's a competition because I, obviously, how old is Isaac? I, my opinion is that uh, Isaac's about five here okay. and uh, Ishmael, therefore, would be about 19. Yeah. So Ishmael's the big, big boy. Yeah. yeah. But now I think he's feeling threatened, of course, yeah. because he's Sarah's son. He, he is probably wanting to be the dominant one, but now here comes little brother, who's now a bit of a threat, you know. And so he, he instinctively wants to mock him, persecute him, establish his dominance over him. Yeah. And, um, and this is a picture, really, of the, the flesh and the spirit. There's a few applications, yeah. but one of them is, in our own life, the flesh and the spirit are incompatible. Mm. They are, they are fighting for dominance yeah. over each other. And, and it was impossible, really, for them to live together. It was the ultimate conclusion. Mm. Um, the, and, and the flesh is, is fighting to get dominance over the spirit. I find it quite cutting, though, the mocking. And I can see it in our own lives. You know, there, there's this I'm, a, a sort of golem comes to mind in Lord of the Rings, where there's this mocking of, of the one who is wanting to be upright. And righteous, or the one who's saying, "Look, you know, I've been born miraculously," as we were talking yeah. about earlier. And then there's that little voice that says, "You how ridiculous!" And you know, mocking, mo mocking is very cutting, isn't it? Yes, I suspect and stones it, can I break my bones, but I you know, words it, can do a lot of harm. Yeah, I suspect it went both ways. I mean, you know, we we get the bare bones of the account because it's mm -hmm. all we need. But if we step back, as it were, into real life and try and imagine what went on. At the time when Ishmael was born, Sarah still thought the work was done, and she probably adored this little boy. He was probably a lovely little boy who was with his mother most of the time, and his mother was ministering to Sarah, and there was probably a really good relationship. Auntie Sarah, you know. Um, and that was all very well until Isaac was born. And now this mother, of course, jealous for her child and his yes. inheritance, takes a dislike to this child and starts to be cold towards him. I'm imagining. Yeah, that's right. And what's he going to do? He's going to react. Yeah. 
And, and so it, it's the same with us. Once we're born again, the spirit starts to take a dislike to the flesh, as it were. And, and, and the flesh responds. And I, I think that's what's happening. It's very easy to blame Isaac, but there's things going on here in the dynamic of normal family life. Easy to blame Ishmael, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, easy yeah. to blame Ishmael, yes. But you can see that the, in the dynamic of family life, it's not that simple. Yeah, well done. There's well, all... It isn't what it says, but I mean, that is a no, fair, it's not. fair um, but, you know. But how it probably analysis. worked out. Yeah. No, he just cut through to what's important. But the reality of how it happened is probably slightly different. There's no, uh, it, when you talked about the spirit stirring up the flesh, it's not a sort of moral equivalence. No, 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 I mean, no, no. I mean, no, it's no. a good thing. Not a moral equivalent, it's just a fact of life. You, you, you start to feel sorry for the flesh after following that line of logic. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go on, Derek. Well, an, another application is, of course, that Paul is saying, you know, this persecution by the, by those of the flesh against those of the spirit, of course, is a, it happens throughout the Bible. I mean, the um, and the prophets were yeah. persecuted by those mm. of the flesh. Jesus yeah. was persecuted by mm. the legalists of his day. Mm. Paul, of course, got most of his persecution from, as it were, the the legalists of his day. And in, indeed, it's the Galatian uh, preachers of the flesh of the law were actually mocking Paul. Yeah. They, they were harassing Paul. They were, as it were, belittling Paul. Um, and, and so Paul is, is helping the Galatians to see it through the biblical framework of their attacks on Paul are actually a manifestation of the fact that they are Ishmael yeah. attacking Isaac. Yeah. You, you so I, I, I am now, <coughs> the brain starts, you know, the cogs start working, I'm thinking, oh yeah, John's got a point because Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, but, but then you have um, Elisha being mocked by those, yeah. you know, probably of similar age to Ishmael, yeah. calling him baldy, and, and um, which, you know, the enemy's out there. He's not just oh, the yeah. accuser of the brethren. No, he's no, the, no. He's the ridiculer, the, yes. the mocker, the lampooner of well, Christian the, things. The point in the story is that flesh and the spirit cannot coexist. That's right. They yeah. are mutually exclusive. Mm. And, and that's why the solution had to be, although it seems cruel, separation. Um, to cast Ishmael out, mm. you see, because here you have the work of the flesh, as it were, Ishmael. Mm. And again, we're not thinking of him personally, bless no, him. Because he, he turned out really way, good in many a, ways. He's in the image of God, but we're, we're yeah. talking about the, the allegory. Uh, he is the work of the flesh, and here is the work of the spirit. Now, in our own lives, there are works of the flesh, all right, as well as the work of the spirit. And sometimes, it is necessary for us to cast out the work of the flesh, uh, even though we, we may have a certain fondness for it. You know, we, we have to cast it out if we're going to progress. He was very much, I know I'm thinking along John's line now, you know, he was very much a victim, wasn't he? And as was Hagar, and she, she um, comes out very well out of the story, as Hagar, yeah. doesn't she? I mean, she, was, she didn't have a choice over... The work of the flesh was in Abraham yes. and yes. Sarah, as it were. Not, yeah. but I know that we've got the illustration. I don't want to unravel Paul's argument, but you know, it, it, we've got the story. Of course, Ishmael is is an allegory and of how the flesh can be. But they, he was just the product of the fleshly thinking of Abraham 
and Sarah in the same way as Abraham want, not wanting to be yes, but um, you, in you, trouble with Pharaoh. You, you, um, I do want to. So he, so he says that Sarah's his sister. No, no, no. I'm just. Yeah, I'm it it is dangerous, but, yeah. you know, because yeah, okay. we we need to be clear that yeah. Sarah could see the danger. I'm not saying she That's was, right. but she could see the danger. If, yeah. if he's doing this now, mm. he's going to establish. The oh flesh, yes, at that point in the story, he's going to yeah, establish it. dominance, and she could see into the future what's going to happen. Yeah. And Isaac. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. Isaac, yeah, you're quite right. Isaac's position was not established. John, you're going on to his side now. No, I am. No, I agree. I, I, all these things I, are true. No, you're quite right. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, agree. you're quite right that he uh, was at that point, uh, which is directly connected to this yes. passage, he was persecuting. The flesh, as it were, was, was and this started rising with, up yeah. within uh, Ishmael. Yeah, you're this started right. with Sarah, remember. This started with her because she suggested mm. to Abraham that he get together with Hagar. <laughs> Poor old Ishmael, if that had never happened, mm. if, if that had never happened, the story would be slightly different. Um, but of course it happened because mm. the Lord again is sovereign. Mm. Um, but it, it, this, we, we can make no excuse, he, he has to be cast out. Sarah, although she's responsible for this, this trouble, mm. this 15 year old or 19 yeah. year old, however old he is, yeah. trouble, she's responsible for it. But he still has, she has to acknowledge it and cast it out. It's right, it has to be cast out. Yeah. It cannot be a challenger for your That's inheritance. Right. Um, and, and of course, it is, it is we, we've merged the story into Ishmael and Sarah correctly because it's in the narrative, but it is the, the, this the teaching is Ishmael yeah. and Isaac. Yes. And yes. Isaac was, as it were, the innocent party as well, in the whole equation. Yeah. Yes, and I think Paul is also just to add another thing here. Um, he is really saying to the Galatians, you need to cast out these false teachers. That's yeah. absolutely right. In a way, this false teaching is kind of saying, look, that we can, the law and grace can coexist. You know, yes, what Paul told you about Christ and the cross, and yes, okay, but you also need the law of Moses. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? And, and they're presenting this idea that, that you, it's a bit of both. And, and Paul is saying, no, they're mutually existent. Yeah. You can't have Ishmael and Isaac growing up together. It's, it's not going to work. Very, very good. Uh, because you're in this, there'll be this constant tussle. And while if you're a Christian and you're, indulging the flesh half the time and walking in the spirit the other, you know, it's not going to work. That's right. Um, because you, you have to make that quality decision mm. to cast out the, the work of the flesh right. from your life. Otherwise, it will constantly destroy you. And uh, there's an interesting detail in the passage, actually, a new name of God was revealed after the after, in the same chapter, chapter, yep, chapter 21. 21. What was yeah. that? I didn't hear that, Terry. The new name of God was revealed yeah. in yes. chapter um, 21 of Genesis. El Olam, the God, uh, the everlasting God, or the God of ages. Mm. And um, Which verse? If we can find it. So that is a bit later, in the, but it's in yep. the same chapter. Genesis 21, verse 22. Mm. And, and so... What was important in this is that until Ishmael was cast out, unt until mm. the work of the flesh was cast out, Isaac, the seed, was not established. It was all not, not clear. Mm. And when he did that, did that, soon afterwards it says, Abraham 
This is um, verse 22, sorry. Yeah. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Uh, that's right, is, but that's, where is that? Because, um, uh, is that in chapter 21? Yes, and, and it's, El, it's the first that. use of the name. But it's not verse 22. Chapter I got that. Oh, sorry. Let's get, the the right um, Let's get it right. I'm sorry, yes. It's okay. I thought I had Let's it here in my book. Try and get, the, get it. Um, um, no, you're right. I don't give it. Only because it's so special what you're saying. So yes, El Olam is the, it's the first time that this phrase El Olam yep, yep. is used. So I'm, I'm give me a second. Very interesting. And I'll, um, I'll find it. Yeah, very interesting. Um, yes, it's the very last, right at the end of the chapter. Okay. Verse 33. Got it. Abraham planted the tamarisk tree in Bathsheba. Yeah. And what I think is that God gave him a revelation yeah. um, of himself as the God of ages. Now, the everlasting God, but it, it is also the God of ages. Like, from everlasting, you are God, mm. is Psalm 90, you know. Mm. But it could be translated from age to age, you are mm. God. In other words, there are seasons in our life, all right? There, there are ages, if you like, in the development of mankind. Mm. You know, we talk about all the dispensations. Mm -hmm. um, and God moves us from one to, to the next. And when it says the worlds were formed by the Word of God, it's literally the ages are formed by the Word of God. He, mm. Now, in our own life, we, we have seasons, all right? And for God to move, and, and I think God gave Abraham that revelation, that when he made that quality decision, to, which was a hard decision, it's his own son, to cast out the work of the flesh, you know, um, then Abraham moved into a new mm. season in his life. God wow. could move his plan forward. Mm. And, and he acknowledged God as the God of the ages, the God who was in control of the seasons of his life. But sometimes we can get stuck in a certain season because because of our lack of obedience, yeah. you know, and sometimes it can be hard to obey God. You know, we know God is saying we must do that, but there anyway, is you, a battle between the flesh insight. and the spirit. You see, wonderful insight, Derek, and that's in your in your book on time. What was the what was the title of that? Book? Am I allowed to? Yeah, I, well, you are. As far yes, as it's as called the keys. The keys, keys of, time. of time. Okay, what a blessing. That's that's <laughs> our dear brother Derek and. If, if we're going to use Martin Luther's commentary, we might as well use Derek's as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a blessing. Agree. Yeah. Um, so I think Paul is saying you need to cast those false teachers mm, out. Mm. You, you can't. You can't hold legalism and grace together. Mm. They are mutually exclusive. Yeah. There, there are. There is the religion of. John Stott puts it this way: There's the religion of divine achievement, mm. of what Christ has done on the cross. And there is the religion of human achievement of what we can do by being circumcised and keep the law. And, and you can't hold the two together. They are mutually exclusive. Law and grace are mutually exclusive and understood that way. And by the way, Derek, that, that revelation of the God of ages was just before God then said to Abraham to take his son Isaac to mm. sacrifice him. Yeah. It's very profound, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so God was actually preparing, as you say, yes. that phase of Abraham's life, and then he was ready. Because if Ishmael was around, it'd be quite difficult. Yes. But to have that sort of that holy obedience to take his only son. Yeah. Yes, and that's interesting that because 
you know, we have to deal with the Ishmaels in our life and we have to deal with the Isaacs in our life. Ishmael is the work of flesh in our life, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we have to, when we sin, we do need to confess our sin, you mm -hmm. know, we need to, as it were, cast out mm. Ishmael, but, at the, but also Abraham had to surrender Isaac to God too. So Even that which the Holy Spirit produces through us, we offer it up to God. We walk to in multiply the spirit. It. We're filled with the Spirit. We should walk in the Spirit. Not quench the Spirit. Not it's not our own work. Yeah. It's not our own work, so we That's need to right. offer up our Isaacs to God. Yeah. No, we don't cling on to our Isaac. Mm. However wonderful God may use us in some way or whatever, that, that it ultimately it's God's work. Yeah. So we have to surrender it back to God. And that's a good too. Yeah, thank you very much. That's important. Yeah, thanks for grounding us because sometimes that basically I sort of throw all the pieces up in, and then we need to ground it again. Yeah. Back to back to the, the point of the passage. Um, what's your next comment, John? Well, I, I just I think this is a fascinating argument to develop. I think this this thing about Ishmael representing the law, the works of the works of man, the works of the flesh, and and Isaac is the work of the Spirit. They, they cannot live together. I mean, I think mm. this, is, this is so profound. And, and again, I go back to what probably happened. You know, you can imagine that as Sarah was jealous for Isaac, and Isaac starting to realize that he was no longer going to inherit his father's estate, he would have realized mm. that. And you can just imagine the arguments. It's not fair. Right. It's not yeah. fair. And railing at his father, and his stepmother, you know, railing at them. And, but it was clear they couldn't live in the same house together. This was, this was not a recipe for success. They, Sarah was right. That thing that kept rising up against the promise has to be cast out, as Derek says, and so in our lives. It has to be cast out. Now, it's interesting that, of course, we think that Ishmael was lost to the family forever. He wasn't. You see Ishmael and Isaac coming together, I think, when they buried Sarah, I think, was it? Mm. They came together again. Mm. And probably when they buried Abraham as well, mm. they came together. So there wasn't complete separation, mm. but they were, there was separate development, <laughs> as it were. And this is really important. What I'm thinking also is in the context of Galatians, there, there, there was a power struggle. So those who uh, were, yeah. as it were, of the law, there, it, there was a territorial element to it. There was a sort of a, a, an area of, um, you know, control and power yes. uh, of the church uh, involved. So they wouldn't want um, this new upstart theology no. to displace... Their no, and, power and, base. and nothing has changed because here Martin Luther on okay. on on on, the, on this verse. Um, we, we allow so we've had a bit of Dick Lucas, John Stotts, um, <laughs> and, and in such eminent company, well, Derek you know, Walker. This, so let's this see is, if we can slip in Martin Luther five to six hundred years ago. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we'll he, him, he, we'll writes, he, he writes, the children of the law will always persecute the children of the gospel. This is our daily experience in his time. Mm. Our opponents tell us that everything was at peace before the gospel was revived by us. Since then, the whole world has been upset. People blame us and the gospel for everything, for the disobedience of subjects to their rulers, for wars, plagues and famines, mm. for revolutions and every other evil that can be imagined. No wonder our opponents thinks they're, think they're doing God a favour by hating and persecuting us. Mm. Ishmael will persecute Isaac. 
We invite our opponents to tell us what good things attended the preaching of the gospel by the apostles. Did not the destruction of Jerusalem follow on the heels of the gospel? And how about the overthrow of the Roman Empire? Did not the whole world seethe with unrest as the gospel was preached in the world? We do not say the gospel instigated these upheavals, the iniquity of man did it. That's brilliant. Isn't it? Wow, and that's still happening today. We're being same. blamed for things. So yeah. we hold to a very humble, I, I, I mean, it's yeah, rather we do. God to judge our humility, yeah. but I believe it's a, it's a humble position on the fringe of society, as it were, standing against the tide of corruption or an anti-God sentiment in our society. And we're being accused of being militant neo-Nazis, sort of egging on uh, things that are happening, geopolitics that's happening on in the world. It's ridiculous. It is. We're conscientious objectors. That's the worst that can be said of us when it comes yeah. to the, the, the lifestyle agendas yeah. and other things that are going on in the world. And yet, just as Martin Luther said, we're being accused yeah. of, you know, grand whatever, yeah. criminality, yes. you know, a neo-Nazi, you know, persecution, which is just not true. Yeah. You've got two prime examples. The, obviously, the medieval Catholic Church, there was horrendous persecution against mm. the Protestant, yep. you know, particularly when they're in the minority. And that, that was a classic example of Ishmael, which is a product of a legalistic mm. cr form of Christianity, yep. um, persecuting those who were yep. proclaiming the gospel. And of course, humanism itself, secular humanism, is again Ishmael because it's all about man and what man can do and, and man's own righteousness. Yeah. And of course, that is Ishmael in a different, yeah, absolutely. in different clothing. Exactly. And, and, and Ishmael will persecute Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those, you know, during, um, you know, the some of the sort of the dark ages, so to speak, you know, they were denounced as heretics. You know, some of them were very godly people, yeah. just holding to a truth. They weren't, you know, the thought police were out there, you know, to stop your personal conscience and um, expression of your conscience. And then during the, you know, Islamic hegemony, you know, there was the dimitude, those, you know, people of the book who were suppressed. I'm not saying that they were all sort of spirit-filled, but there certainly was a suppression yeah. of thoughts, you know, ideologies, so, so to speak, which opposed the, um, the, the mainstream. I, I, I actually do believe that that's our position, yes. not to be ruling. Yes. I think what happened yeah. with Calvin, you know, went a little bit over the top, uh, even though I, I, with the best intentions. It, it, I, don't, I don't believe, personally, we're going to get other opinions out there, you know, in Christian rule. Or the restorationist yeah, the separation uh, approach. Separation state. I, I do believe oh, in the separation. Yeah. And, and that we, we are here in a world that is, you know, the whole world is in the hands of the evil one. Yeah. We're here to be faithful witnesses, whatever is out there. The danger yeah. is when, the, when there is Christian rule, more often than not, so-called Christian rule or political um, Christian rule, that's normally where wrong things come in. One, one of the hardest in. things in the book of Revelation is to identify who the harlot is. Yeah. On the beast. Yeah. Now, now the beast is clearly the political power. Yeah. And I've come to the conclusion that the harlot, from the description, the harlot is the state religion. That's right. I yeah. do as well. Whether it's yeah. Islamic, whether it's Christian, whether it's yeah. 
humanistic. Yeah. It's, it's when the state has a religion and it enforces it. And you have this interplay between the political power and, and, the, and the official religion that everyone's meant to bow to. And, and that is the primary source of persecution. And, um, and so even, that can even take a Christian force, as it right. did in the Roman Catholic medieval time especially. Yeah. Um, and we've been free from that to some degree, but increasingly in the West, secular humanism is, is beginning to take that form, that this is now a religion. And if you don't subscribe to this religion, you will be persecuted. And, th and that freedom is disappearing. And it's in interesting that the garments, the colours of the garments in, of the harlot are very, are the same as the colours of the garments for the priests, you know, in Exodus. And, and, and yet there is the missing garment of purity covering up the natural man. You even say, you know, what a priest wear a white um, a tunic, but it, it was almost like the the vestment of purity for, for a virgin, that is missing yes. in, in Revelation. And, uh, you know, the, the flesh, in other words, the flesh is there, you know, on show, mixed in with religion, with all the, the religious uh, garments um, yeah, to deceive us. It's the, a very, very dangerous um, deception. I the church is called to preach the gospel. Yep. Not to be in power as yet, not, not as a body. Yep. Yep. Individuals in the church, we would encourage to get involved in politics, absolutely. But the church itself is not meant to be, because that that is Stand a for truth. that would contradict its main mission to preach the gospel. Yep. We will rule and reign with Christ. That's know, where people get in, confused when we're in yep. our resurrection bodies. But um, that isn't our job right now. That's Jesus didn't try and uh, set no, up. He didn't render unto Caesar. The apostles didn't try and as it were, take over the world, right. you know, uh, yeah. they knew that what their mission was. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? That's and yet we do love it when theology. we have politicians who, who stand up oh, for yeah. biblical Absolutely. truths and, you know, but... No, that's different. That's different. We, we want individuals to take... Positions in positions of influence, yeah. position, but, but da dangerous when you're in, in power, so to speak, ruling. Yeah, but for the church itself to make itself the... Uh, yeah. The ruling power yeah. is dangerous yeah. for it. Which it just reminds me of when Jesus said, when the, uh, I, 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 sorry, I can't remember the story, when the, the person came to Jesus and wanted to follow him, and Jesus said, you know, birds have nests and fox have lairs, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's often t wrongly re received as a, as a, a, um, a commitment to poverty. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. That was, right. that was picture language, uh, and it would have been completely understood. Uh, the, the head it talks about government. And, and just to pick up the point you're making, Jesus was saying, I don't have a government structure here in order to implement what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you might want to join me, but the whole system is against us. I found that fascinating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, well done, John. That was a great reading from Martin Luther. It was, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Nothing really hit the nail on in the, head. In, in the words of Solomon, there's nothing new under the sun. That's right. Exactly. Nothing. Exactly. My point, one more thing out mm -hmm. from verse 21. Verse 30, he says, cast out the bondwoman and her son. Now remember in the analogy, mm. the bondwoman, which is of course Hagar, yep. represents the old covenant. Sarah represents the new covenant. 
Yes. And Sarah, and the new covenant brings forth Isaac. The old covenant, if it's yeah. Yeah. bowed down to as the, 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 the defining thing, salvation brings, by works brings forth law. Ishmael. So the more you are under the old. And what it's saying here is, this, he's saying this is a prophecy that the old covenant is cast out. When Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled it, and now we That's are... That's exactly what I was going to ask, but finish what you're yeah. saying and then we'll... So the old covenant continues, obviously, as a revelation of God, but we are no longer under the old covenant. Yeah. You have to cast out... You know, that you can't live under the law of Moses right. and the law of Christ at the same time, you know, the New Testament. Um, you have to cast out, and, and that happened at the cross, really, and then the new covenant was brought in in the resurrection. So this is saying, cast out the old covenant. You know, that has to be cast out for the new covenant to be established. John, the difference between the Lord fulfilling the law and, as it were, replacing the law. Can you um, help us pause? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, the, the Lord fulfilled the law in the sense that he, he obeyed it to the letter. There was not a single deviation from the law committed by Jesus. Therefore, he fulfilled it, and therefore, as a man, he became the perfect sacrifice. He couldn't die as God. We must remember that. that would, the, the devil would have rightly shouted foul. Um, he had to die as a man, but he died as a perfect man and uh, his death a vicarious death. So therefore, he fulfilled the law. What was the second part of the question? Um, I think that pretty well does answer it, okay. what, what you said. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah he, that does answer it. So we're no and longer under question. the law mm. yeah. as a law system. Yeah. We, are, we are under Christ. Mm. And... and so that's part of the lesson here. Oh yeah, the thought that was coming to me, because we talk about the old covenant, the new covenant. I do like, and it can be unpacked, I like the description of our New Testament as the New Testament. And someone, um, which is, again, it's God's grace, it's a testament, it's the will and testament, it's a gift to us. Um, and sometimes when people think of covenant, they think that we have a part to play. It's a two-way yeah. contract. Yeah. And that is confusing, isn't it? Yes. So I think it is good. And even when you think, well, this is the new covenant in my blood, if you think of it in terms of, and I don't know the Greek on this, but this is the New Testament in my blood. Yes. I'm giving it to yeah. you. Take and eat. Um, is that a fair um, yes. uh, division? It's not wrong to use the word covenant because yeah. there are different kinds of covenants. That's right. Some but, are but it can like be it's easier to understand some are covenants it. of grace. Exactly. But testament does emphasize the grace aspect. Yeah, that's true. Which is whoever came up concocted that is the title for uh, you know these um, however many books of the yeah uh, how many books is it New Testament yeah, twenty seven yeah twenty seven I nearly said thirty nine but that's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> great yeah. Yeah, so it is it absolutely is of God. Yeah. But there is a danger. People do think in term today, they misunderstand covenant. They think, oh, well, that, that we've got to do our bit, you know, and that's part of the package of salvation. Mm. It's, and it's, it's, it's interesting in the ancient world as well. Uh, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but I know a little bit about it and how covenants developed. I mean, the first, the first stage of a covenant, which you, is a blood covenant where you, you and people come and they slice themselves and 
mix their blood together. But that's only the first part of a covenant relationship. I mean, it's hugely important and sets the tone for everything. But as they get to know each other, it develops into the salt covenant. And this is, this is, you know, they, the, the two heads of the clans or the heads of the families who's ever covenanting together meet together and, and they each take a little pouch of salt and empty it on the table and, and it, it's it a covenant meal, of course. Mix it together, yeah. then cut it in half and put it back in their pouches. Separate that lot, you know. And, and this begins to paint the picture of what it means to be united to Christ. Inseparable mm. through the salt Amen. covenant. Amen. And then there's another one, and I, I can't remember what that is offhand, but these covenants develop. Just and make they all a picture. About when, you, when you have a drink with your... You know, you have a do make a deal with your enemy, and you celebrate with a drink. You 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 chink the glasses so that you spill. Yes, in case you you know someone's poisoned poisoned your glass. Yes, you know you can both you know drink. You know, mutually assured destruction. I think they call it. <laughs> <laughs> we've got to we, you know we've got to come to the, these these deals internationally yeah. on the geopolitical yeah. level. Got a couple of minutes left before I stray off into a digression that we won't yeah, have we do need to, to bring up one more thing here. Yep. Is, um, yes, it talks about cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman, these are the words of Sarah really, yep. the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. And this mm. is the point that Isaac was the heir, the child of the promise inherits eternal life, he inherits salvation. In other words, what he's saying is, if you're going to go the way of the flesh, if, you will, if you're going to be an Ishmael, if you're going to trust in your law-keeping to be saved, you will not inherit eternal life. Only Isaac inherits eternal life. He might get persecuted right now, but in the end, he's, he's, he's going to have eternal life. He's going to have all the blessings. He's going to inherit the kingdom of God. So that's important to say. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So you dare to inherit, I, you need to be Isaac. Exactly. So dare I say, have we reached the end of chapter 4, John? No, it's uh, verse 31 yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, asked the question. Out, <laughs> well, that's fairly simple. It's it? very simple. Yeah, I think it's sort of a re-emphasis. It's, it's, it's just emphasising. It's repeating what's gone on. We are not children of the bondwoman, but we are of the free. Yeah. And then that transitions to the next chapter right. five, verse one. So take a breath, sit back, and um, join us next week as we look at chapter five of Galatians. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. We're not under the bondage of, of Hagar. We, we, I'm sure we'll probably head back <laughs> into chapter four, but I, I, someone who's a good mathematician around here will tell us how many how many Bible studies have we spent in chapter? Or I don't know. We'll answer that question next week. Look forward to seeing you. <laughs>